Good morning, everyone. My name is JB with Not By Works Ministries. It's Friday, May 19th, 2023, and I'm so excited to be joined by uh, no stranger to the Not By Works family, Shane, my uh, great friend, colleague, technology expert. He's been on a few times and so delighted to have him back again today. I'll introduce him here in just a moment. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about biometric surveillance and digital IDs. And uh, this is something that I've been uh, kind of studying and talking about quite a lot over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, we had a couple of chapters dealing with this in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. And my new book that I'm uh, currently hard at work on is going to focus more e extensively on this whole concept of uh, hacking and tracking humanity, the you know AI, digital surveillance, biometric surveillance, the whole global digital ID concept. And so I thought as I'm uh, looking into this and talking uh, about it with various folks, Shane would be a great guy to bring on. And uh, so I can't wait to hear what he has uh, to say about this. But I want to mention a couple of quick announcements. Uh, don't uh, don't forget, we've got some great podcasts this week. This is, of course, Friday, but we've had a full week already. It kicked off on Monday with Mondo Gonzalez, and we talked about UFOs, aliens, and the Nephilim. And then uh, we had, of course, Prophecy Night. Uh, well, we didn't actually have Prophecy Night this week. We had a couple of other uh, events with uh, Randy on Wednesday. And then yesterday, I had Brad uh, Mastin on. We talked about Satan's fall. Satan fell like lightning. What does that mean? Where does that fit into the whole creation uh, scenario. We also talked quite a bit about the Genesis 6 account and the Nephilim with Brad, like we did with uh, Mondo. Uh, so check those out. Uh, don't forget, if you're in the Denver metro area, you can join us this Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, uh, as I'll be wrapping up my series on uh, the book of Acts, looking at that last section of chapter 28 this week. Really excited about uh, that mixed emotions, though, because it's been uh, almost a year and a half journey through that book and just such uh, profound, uh, timeless truths that we learned from the days of the early church. But if you're not in the Denver metro area, you can live stream our service at uh, 10 o'clock on Sunday. Just go to notbyworks.org, click the live stream button. Still not too late to sign up for the Mid-America Prophecy Conference. That starts a week from today, seven days and counting there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll be joined by uh, Andy Woods, Tommy Ice, uh, a few others uh, there, uh, and uh, just a fantastic conference every year. It's their 14th annual conference. I'll be speaking twice. Uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, I will be posting my messages from that conference as soon as it's over, uh, but if you can make it out, uh, it's not a bad drive. You know, it's about a 10 or 12-hour drive for us, and yet uh, we look forward to it every year. Encourage you to come out uh, if you can, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Mid-America Prophecy Conference, just go to notbyworks.org and right there on the highlight carousel, if you scan through the promotional banners, you'll see the, the promo link to register for that conference. Uh, also posted there is our Bible Study Methods course. I mentioned that because we've got a lot of great uh, response already, but would love to have you consider taking that course. It's self-guided. You do it work at your own pace, but it's a 15-week course with all the notes and lectures and resources available to you through Not By Works uh, Ministries. And uh, also, I'll be posting an article later today, uh, this week, called Finish Strong, as I talk about how believers who sometimes uh, it's easy for us to get lost in 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 all of the mayhem and, and the chaos that's going on in this world. And even though it's, it's important to know that and to study it, and certainly Bible prophecy experts are right to sound the alarm, uh, how can we, in the midst of all that, continue to fulfill our purpose and finish strong as we uh, eagerly await the return of our Lord? So watch for that article to drop later uh, today. It's finished. We're just uh, kind of putting putting the uh, graphics together and things like that. So uh, as we bring Shane on here in just a moment, I want to start with a verse. You know, today's uh, May 19th, so Proverbs 19, verse 3 jumps off the screen at me, where we read, The foolish of a man twists his way and his heart threats against the Lord. I truly believe that Satan's transhumanist agenda, his attempt to create God in the image of man, which is what I'll be speaking about in one of my uh, sessions at the Mid-America Conference next weekend, I think he is 
kicking against the goads. You know, he is fretting against the Lord, trying to overcome him, just as David says he is in Psalm chapter 2. And uh, he wants to essentially target the highest pinnacle of God's creation, mankind, made in the image of God, and in so doing, become God. That's what Satan wants to do. And I tell you what, as we look around us at all of the uh, technology, uh, you know, unveiling and and just, you know, coming at us full speed ahead, it seems like he's pulling out all the stops. Yet another sign of the times that we seem to be getting close to Satan's endgame here. So, uh, Shane, welcome back to the program. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Well, thanks for having me back. It's great. So I want to start, again, I mentioned we're calling this uh, podcast Biometric Surveillance and Digital IDs, and I can think of no one better to talk about those topics, as well as just generally give us some updates on technology advancements, you know, AI, chat, GPT, and some of the other large language model uh, systems and so forth. But I want to start out of the shoot with kind of a broad question and then let you take a moment to kind of give us your thoughts. I saw this question posted on uh, Fox News, I think it was, and I thought, well, that's a good metaphor to kind of launch into our discussion today. And here's the question, Shane, will AI, when when all is said and done, Will AI be more like the atomic bomb or the printing press? What do you think? So I think it's going to be more like the atomic bomb. Uh, initially, it's going to look more like the printing press. Okay, that That is an interesting comparison. I think initially it'll be more like the printing press. That's kind of the phase we're in at the moment in that we're seeing the uh, neat and, and, and beneficial uh, things that AI can do. Um, be it from generating text, could be pictures, um, whatever it is, uh, which, 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 whatever form of AI we're talking about. It can be used for some good things. And we're seeing that right now. The issue is going to be once there's some other enabling technologies, where do people that have evil desires apply that technology? That's going to be the, the big rub for us. So it, I think it's going to start out more like the printing press it's going to wind up being more of a threat to us, such as nuclear weapons. Yeah, I think that's certainly my sense. Um, and, um, you know, you've you've been good about in our discussions, uh, mentioning that, you know, technology is somewhat morally neutral. It's, it's how you use it um, yeah. that matters. But boy, I tell you, some of the technology they're coming up with these days, I just struggle to find any, uh, you know, benevolent, uh, use uh, for it. So uh, we're going to get in a moment to, uh, a, I'm going to sort of summarize an article that I saw online that really encapsulates very well this, the alarms that I've been sounding now for a couple of years. And I want to go point by point through a few things, um, both from my own notes, as well as that this author brings out. But first, give us a quick update, Shane, on uh, ChatGPT. What are some things you know, you've said before, it's happening so fast, you can barely keep up with it. I sense the same thing. It seems like every day we're getting news reports that make me just go, am I living in the twilight zone or what in the world's going on? So uh, what are some updates? What can you tell us? What are you keeping your eye on here about AI, ChatGPT, stuff like that? So uh, I agree with you fully that uh, this whole arena is so hard to, to get your arms around. The advances in AI, I've never seen anything like this. I don't, I don't care what technology in the past you compare it to. Um, AI, which has been kind of, it's been there for a long time, um, but it has just exploded in the last few years. Um, and, and especially with the release of ChatGPT last year. Um, so the, you know, we, we, we have this, uh, this explosion of AI, but the, the thing that's been really interesting is at this point, as far as we know, these AI systems, such as OpenAI's ChatGPT, um, have been isolated from the internet. They're contained, which is partially a risk mitigation uh, approach. Um, but since we talked last, the there's been an explosion of agents, you know, which is software that runs on your computer, could run in your browser, could be a standalone program, those type of things, where uh, these agents are able to interact with multiple AIs. Um, so not just, you know, the AI from OpenAI, but it could be other ones. 
And because it's running on your equipment, it can access the internet. So I think I had mentioned on our last show, AutoGPT, uh, which is one of the hottest um, projects out there right now. And I, I got it uh, running a few weeks ago. And while the results from it right now were, um, the, were, were disappointing, the proof of concept was stunning. So with AutoGPT, there's software that you're running on your computer. You give that local agent, that piece of software running on your equipment, up to five goals, things you want it to accomplish. And you configure it so that it can access, in this case, it was uh, accessing OpenAI's GPT, um, but it could also access the internet and could go back and forth between these sources to try to achieve the goals you gave it. And like I said, right now, um, and it's not just me that that had disappointing results with it. Most people are saying, yeah, it's 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 hit and miss. But what everybody sees with this is what's coming. Um, this will uh, certainly get AI out of that sandbox, that isolation from the internet. Um, I haven't had a chance to test this, but I saw this week that OpenAI has added an option to where ChatGPT can access the internet. I think it's a response to these to AutoGPT and, and some other projects out there like this. That's going to be a very interesting and concerning development um, where we have these very powerful tools, you know, these, these AI systems um, that we don't fully understand necessarily how they operate, getting access to the world's infrastructure, because that's what the internet gives us. Um, so much of our infrastructure is available that way. Um, and if these systems have access through the internet, how do we know that that AI system has our best interest in mind? And within the whole AI world, uh, this is a, a problem known as alignment. Does the, are the goals of that AI system in alignment with what we're after? Um, if they are, it's great. But if they have a different set of goals than we have, that could be disastrous. So give me an example. What are we talking about here? You know, you you give it five goals. Are you talking about, hey, I'd like you to open a checking account for me at Bank of America? Or, you know, what, what are you talking about that this uh, local on your computer agent could could do? So so the, what I was doing with it, there's, there's so many different things you could do. But um, what, what I was doing with it was seeing if I could give it uh, some goals to produce a working program to write computer code for me. So using a combination of the large language model that you get through GPT, along with access to the internet and different source code repositories, could it go back and forth between these and end up constructing a working program? And it, you know, it got me about 80% of the way there. Um, and, and it was, you know, like I said, it, it didn't work. It, it didn't meet the goals I gave it, right? Which ultimately was produce this working uh, uh, program. But just watching it work and seeing it access things that were outside of that uh, controlled environment that OpenAI had the system running in, that was, like I said, stunning. Um, and, and by the way, the five goals, that's just that particular software's implementation. Um, it it could be more goals than that. And, that, and that's where this is heading, where you can give the AI more and more complex instructions, and it's able to interact with it and go do what you want. Um, so, so it's what's coming that's a concern. Something that I think is pretty obvious is that companies such as Apple and Google and Samsung and so forth are going to an Amazon will end up replacing their current AI agents, so Siri or Google Assistant, for example, with something that's more like AutoGPT. And, and as the models get more advanced and these tools get more capable, you're gonna be able to tell your phone to check the email, respond to people, you know, really act as more like a human personal assistant. Mm. Whatever whatever value um, you see in a tool like Siri, um, what we have today is going to look very primitive compared to Siri in a couple of years. Yeah, we I mean, 
We're crossing a watershed. Yeah, it really is. It's it's definitely a uh, a game changer to be sure. This concept of being able to access the internet. Now, I can't help but think, just from my own uh, research of the Luciferian conspiracy and technology in general over the last sixteen years, that what they are passing off as, hey, it's coming quickly. We're you know we're seeing incredible advancements week after week. I can't help but wonder, is this really all just for the public, uh, you know, for the consumer side, but really behind the scenes at places like DARPA and, and elsewhere, they've actually got this technology that they've been using forever. In other words, you, you watch sci-fi movies that, you know, that create super soldiers and cyborgs and whatever. And today they almost seem like they're snatched from the headlines. Whereas, you know, when we first watched them, they were pretty far fetched. And so, is it conceivable? I guess there's really no way to know. That's the nature of of a conspiracy. But is it conceivable that really they already have a lot of this technology far more advanced than what they're letting on, and they're just kind of boiling us in the kettle? I've got. It's, it's interesting you brought up the boiling us in the kettle analogy because I was thinking about that earlier this morning. Um, I uh, earlier in our conversation, you asked the question: Is AI the printing press or the atomic bomb? Um, right, right, right now, like I said, I think we're at that printing press stage, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, we're going to see a lot of good and useful things emerge from this. Um, but it's that, that other side when it's, you know, in the hands of people who, you know, are, are evil, there's just not another way to put it. Um, we're going to see some, some terrible, terrible things. Um, one of the. The, the, the pieces that really got to me this week was in the past, we had talked about this whole question of, is there some secret technology, in this case, secret AI, that the government or other powerful entities like that have that's radically more advanced than what we currently know about? Um, yeah, I was always kind of theoretically open to that possibility, but you can't prove it. Right. Unless you have some kind of insider knowledge, it's very difficult to know if that's the case or not. But I, I saw an article this week, um, and I'm going to do my best to, to recap it. But there was a game company had some sort of game that simulated combat. I don't remember the, the details of it. And they were contacted by uh, some part of the Department of Defense and asked them to modify the game so that a AI system that they had could interact with the game and play it and learn to master it. And that was at least a decade ago, as I remember. And that really concerned me. Um, if, if at that point in time, they had an AI that was able to learn to play a game, a complex video game like a human would play, that shows some capabilities that uh, were, were very, very surprising to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that same article. And besides that, that's that's the primary point that you're making is that here's 10 years ago, here's a capability that we didn't know that type of technology had. But beyond that, it's an out and out admission to something that a lot of people, myself included, have been sounding the alarm about for over a decade. And that is that these games that these you know kids are playing, the, the simulated war uh, games, they are not just, I mean, we already know they're bad physiologically and there are all kinds of issues with them, how they're not health, healthy for you at all. But now here's an out and out admission that there is a direct connection between those games and the military industrial complex. And that, you know, it's no longer just an exaggeration or, you know, a conspiracy theory to say, oh, our soldiers today are just 18 year olds with a joystick. No, that that's really what they are. And they've been conditioning these kids early on through the gaming industry to be the next generation of soldiers. So yeah, I saw that same article, Shane, blew me away. I didn't catch the connection you just made because I'm not a technologist, but, uh, but yeah, powerful stuff. So so here's in that whole area, talking about video games, um, the AI learning to play a video game was definitely concerning. But the one I'm more concerned about is with a lot of these games, and some of them have been put, been put out by the military. Uh, there was one, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was a 
first person shooter, right? It seemed like she running around on screen and and uh, doing combat. Uh, that was actually put out by the Department of Defense. It was an army recruiting tool. Um, and so with that, that and other similar games, the companies are able to collect information on how humans think, how humans react, what are their strategies. And so what if the government was able to collect all this data and create models on how people do things? So if we put you know, human soldiers on the ground to fight in this situation, what are their likely approaches and strategies? And then come up with countermeasures for a AI-controlled defense system or offensive system, right? A weapon system to go and take on these human beings. We're we're almost like we're in the training phase, potentially, for something like the Terminator movies, where Skynet takes no. over. So so honestly, that's the one I'm a little bit more concerned about. There was an article in the past few weeks that came out talking about how um, the military was using AI uh, fighters to dogfight human pilots, um, you know, in the, again, the aircrafts here. And the, uh, the interesting thing was these military people said that the AI was truly an artificial intelligence from the standpoint of it took uh, approaches and and did things that a human would never think of doing. Mm. Um, and it was, and it, I got the impression from the article that they, you know, again, these people who know that area, they know uh, about aerial combat were a little bit stunned by how the AI performed. Yeah. So let's be clear, you know, Satan will never be able to create a human being ex nihilo out of nothing the human mind is the most amazing you know organism you can imagine i mean god created it in his image but it is something that satan who's the great imposter is doing his best to imitate so a lot of these ai systems like you're talking about with the uh fighter pilots and so forth really what they come down to is really 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 excellent predictors right they they study the data so extensively that they can predict what you're going to do better than even you know what you're going to do. And the CIA and government Luciferian uh, programs and the Luciferian elite that have infiltrated various American government uh, uh, bureaucracies, they've been toying with the human mind for decades. I mean, they've tried chemically uh, controlling the mind. They've tried psychologically controlling the mind. They've tried through you know physical wires and 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 you know computer technology connected to it but it all comes down to satan's attempt to do what david told us in psalm 2 they want satan and his accomplices want to break the bonds of god's control and cast away his cords god is sovereign satan is not god is in full control God can snap his fingers and make it happen. He spoke the world, the entire universe, into existence with his very breath. Satan can't do that. So in, in an effort to overcome God and win this battle that he's already lost, you know, that was announced way back in Genesis 3.15, but he's he's uh, he, he's he's self-deceived and thinks he can still win. In an effort to defeat God, he is tapping into the human consciousness on every level and has been for decades. And so it really should not surprise us. It certainly doesn't surprise me that we've got technology now where a guy can sit at a computer, you can hook a few wires up to his brain, and without even touching a keyboard, he can type out a letter on a computer screen just by thinking it. And that's just the tip of the iceberg to the kind of stuff that you're doing. But yeah, they they want to create these... Um, super soldiers who will never be able to truly surpass humanity and transcend humanity as the transhumanists want. But in terms of the capabilities, they can certainly do uh, more in terms of predicting our behavior and anticipating what we're going to do and therefore planning for it and, and responding to it than uh, we could ever imagine. Would you agree? Absolutely. With that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We we are we are in the process right now of crossing a watershed, and um, 
there won't be any going back. Um, and, and there's going to be levels of wickedness that are enabled once a number of technologies come together. And, and that's going to be something we're, we're all facing unless the Lord comes back very soon. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we're going to see this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a crossing of the Rubicon, you know, to use uh, Caesar's uh, a metaphor there, uh, the metaphor about Caesar. I mean, it's we are truly past a point of no return, which which is why, you know, I wrote my two Spirit of the Antichrist books and why I'm so passionate about this and traveling the country, speaking about it at conferences, is that all, fundamentally it is a sign of the times that we are closer than ever. I mean, can I cite chapter and verse and do the Greek and Hebrew exegesis and pinpoint a date on a calendar that the rapture is going to happen? Of course not. But, you know, you'd have to be blind not to see the everything is aligning for this final cosmic battle that's going to happen first uh, in the Valley of Megiddo outside Jerusalem, but eventually it's going to be, at the end of the millennium, a final cosmic a battle that is going to, you know, end it all, and God wins, and Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist are all cast into the lake of fire and so forth. But it's uh, it's coming. I mean, it's uh, it's getting to be where, you know, I mean, you mentioned earlier, uh, and I'm sorry to be so animated here, but it's just when I when I hear these things, I just get just get to really passionate about the, the need for people to wake up about what's happening. But you're you're right that technology certainly can be used for good, right? It's kind of convenient to be able to say, "Hey Siri, turn on the lights," or whatever it is, or "Hey Alexa, turn on the lights." That's fine. But what happens when you say, "Hey Alexa, unlock my door," and Alexa says, "Sorry." you used too much carbon this week. So you're stuck in your house. I'm not going to open your door. And that's yes. the, the, it's really not that big of a leap in my mind intellectually, Shane. I don't see why people can't see that, that it is all about control. That's what, you know, the digital ID is, is all about. Now I want to get to this article because uh, this is really the crux of the matter. Uh, Leo Homan, uh, I've had the chance to interact with him a couple of times. We were both on Brandon House's show together one time, although we didn't actually interact live on the show. But uh, I really respect him a lot. I don't think he comes from a pre-trib perspective, uh, but in terms of sounding the alarm of what's coming down the pike, he is spot on, a brilliant researcher. He really gets the Luciferian conspiracy and what they're, the globalists are rolling out. And so he wrote an article, I think it was May 11th is when it was posted, in which he makes some some really salient uh, points uh, that kind of all tie back to this digital ID. So as a background, I've been saying for some time now, and I talk about this in volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist, that the the real issue is a digital global ID. It's not CBDCs. It's not you know transactionalism. It's it's not uh, the social credit score. All of that is is part of it. It but it's wrapped up fundamentally in finding a way to track every single human being on the planet. It goes back to you know Revelation thirteen and the mark of the beast, and and this is what they're going to use so that, as verse 17 says, no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark of the beast, that is, without the government's uh, approval. So uh, in this uh, article, he he talks about how, be careful what you wish for, because the, the whole Hegelian dialectic that we've talked about extensively, I have a whole chapter on that in volume one, where they create a problem, foment unrest on a problem so that people will beg for a solution. And that solution really is not exactly what we thought it was. It was what the globalists wanted all along. So you, you see this again and again. For example, after the war on terror started after 9-11, they rolled out the Patriot Act and everybody was, you know, please save us from the boogeyman. And okay, we'll save you from the boogeyman. Here's the Patriot Act. Well, what's the Patriot Act? Well, it takes away fundamentally five or six of our most coveted constitutional rights from the Bill of Rights. Uh, and people just willingly gave it up because they were afraid. It's all about fear. We have all kinds of stuff in the news today about uh, the, the problems in education and how our public education is going woke. Of course, some of us have been sounding the alarm about public education for, you know, 50 years or 100 years, you know, uh, when it was taken over by the Rockefellers. But now even 
the average conservative Christian is saying, wait a minute, I don't really think I want my kindergartner being taught how to, you know, you know, have various types of sex and that kind of stuff. So, so what are they rolling out? Well, they're talking about the vouchers. Well, be careful what you wish for, because, uh, you know, I've been opposed to vouchers since we started homeschooling 15 years ago. Uh, they sound good. Hey, free money, right? But anytime the government gives you money, it comes at a great uh, cost. Uh, the border crisis. I mean, this is one that I thought Leo did a great job of articulating. I wish I had, you know, his skills at at writing. I uh, really appreciate what he has to say. But, you know, here we are all concerned about the border, and we should be, but careful what you wish for, right? You know, remember, walls can keep people in as well as keeping people out. And so can this, you know, verification, you know, national global ID card, you know, and this, this uh, uh, Secure Border Act of 2023 that, you know, most conservatives are lining up behind is really not all that meets the eye. And and Leo Holman points out that Representative Thomas Massey, the Republican from Kentucky, has pointed out and sounded the alarm about a section that would require all employers to use e-verify systems to verify workers' citizenship status. Uh, and But what it also does, as he points out, the congressman, is that it gives government the ultimate on-off switch for employment. They don't yes. like something you said. They don't like what you posted on social media. Your e-verify card gets turned off, and the government has complete, utter control over you. So I know I'm throwing a lot out there, but you know, to me, this whole concept of AI technology, it's all under the broad heading of control, biometric surveillance, and the, the global digital ID. What can you tell us uh, from your perspective uh, about that? I, I, I fully agree that it's about control. Um, you know, where AI has its risk and its concerns, the piece that I'm much more worried about is the digital IDs. There's a saying in the IT world. Okay? So if you're a network engineer, a system administrator, something like that, um, there's a big need to know every network device on your network, every computing device, every printer, every everything. Um, be, and, and the saying is, is you can't manage or you can't secure something you don't know about. And so I think that's what the digital ID represents to us. The world in this case, this, this system, these economic systems uh, that have been set up over the, the centuries, this is a very long-term plan. Um, they, for them to, to implement that control, they have to know about each of us. And it has to be in a format that is interoperable with, with their technology. So these digital IDs are that tool by which they can know about each of us. And then with that unique identifier, they can then using other technologies such as a digital currency and AI and various things, they can have levels of control over our everyday activities, including yeah. whether or not you want to watch a TV show um, and turn that off. And if you don't think that this kind of thing is possible, take a look at what's been happening in China for years. Um, it's not as extensive as necessarily what we're describing right now, but it's 70% of the way there. It's close. Yeah. 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 You go to China, stay in a hotel room. You can't just turn the TV on and watch what you want. It's completely controlled. Um, but yeah, no, it is about knowing you. They got to know you to be able to track you. And that's why for, you know, since the dawn of the Internet and the social media you know, age, uh, it's all been about a massive data collection. You know, yes. uh, th these were all programs, Facebook, uh, MySpace back in the day, all of them, Twitter. They're all about massive data collection. And they come right out and tell you. I mean, they rolled out the, the Sandy Utah Fusion Center, which I've talked about in the book. Which has a bit bucket on every single person, and and they everything you do is is you know stored in that bit bucket, and uh, obviously at that time perhaps again we don't know what they what abilities they have behind the scenes, but just conventional wisdom is at that time they didn't have the capabilities they have today, but they wanted to store the data so when they have the capabilities they can simply create the algorithm and go back in and data mine all the data that was collected in that in that bucket. Like you know you may not have a way to run the water 
from your, you know, big reservoir to your kitchen sink, but you're going to go ahead and start collecting the water. You'll figure out how to build the pipeline later. And that that's what they were doing with this digital data. But, you know, going back to the Homan article, you know, you're exactly right that everything kind of hinges on this idea of, you know, the, the, the biometric digital ID. Once they do that, you know, and, you know, again, they, they, they're so masterful in the way they roll this out. Oh, you need this to vote. You need a, you need a voter ID. Uh, you need a verify ID to work. You need a school voucher to be able to, you know, get, go to school. You need this to cross the border. You need this to access healthcare. You need this to get your government subsidies, you know, social security, Medicare, Medicaid, you need this code to get on the internet. And, and lo and behold, all of a sudden, the global digital bio, you know, metric ID comes along that solves all of those, you know, problems, so-called problems, Hegelian dialectic problems, with one number or one identifier, as as it were. And once they've got that, it's game over. That's why I've been sounding the alarm about the digital ID in every message I've given at different conferences about CBDCs. I keep telling people. The, the digital ID is the problem. It's not the CBDCs. It's the digital ID. And so, as you said, they got to know you to track you. And that's why people that have been awake to the the grand conspiracy, what uh, we talk about as the Luciferian conspiracy, that's their name for it. And that's the, the way it's described in the Bible, because Lucifer is at the, the point of it. People that are awake to that have been talking about going, quote, off the grid. Now, off the grid doesn't just mean, you know, catching rainwater and composting your own human waste off the grid means you know literally unplugging so that the only way they're going to be able to track you is through some type of drone air to surface cameras or something like that unless of course they put some type of digital biometric id in the skin and they've been talking about that. I played a clip at one of my messages recently about how I think it was Nokia's president, the cell, the cell phone company, talked about how by 2030, cell phones will be implanted under the skin. You won't have to carry around an actual device. So be very, very leery of what you put inside your body, because at least until you get some type of tracking device injected in you, you still theoretically can go off the grid and, and not be tracked. Now, it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's almost impossible, frankly, but the day may come when we have no choice. But uh, yeah, what are you seeing in terms of their uh, attempts to try to track everyone? What technology are they using? Well, so I, by the way, on the digital IDs, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing at a percentage here, but um, but probably 75% of what is needed for digital IDs is already in place. A number of years ago, remember the whole movement towards, uh, is it real ID? Where the state driver's licenses had to conform to this standard so that you yep. could get on airplanes or whatever it was. Um, I think the digital ID is mostly already here. Um, yep. There's, there's, They're gonna put a couple of wrappers around the these core technologies um, that will enable that interoperability between, say, what's happening here in the United States and what's happening in China. Um, and then, again, communications networks, um, AI systems, a, a number of different things, and digital currency are going to come together to create this control grid that we have never seen before. There's been nothing like this in human history. So true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's the technology is already there. What has to happen on the back end where we can't see it is that they just create, as you called it, this interoperability. I can remember years ago when I was a kid, we lived up in uh, Connecticut. My dad worked in Manhattan and uh, we lived in a house uh, in actually New Fairfield at that time, uh, Connecticut. And uh, I'll, I'll, I always remember the address was Nine Smoke Hill road or drive or something. Well, sometime down the road as that region de developed, more houses were built and they made some changes. They ended up changing the numbering on that road and that house became 10 Smoke Hill. Now, they didn't move the house. They didn't rebuild something. They didn't tear up the road. They just, back at some government office, they just typed in a few keystrokes, made a few changes and suddenly 
it had a different address. And that's what's going to happen technolo- technologically uh, with some of this stuff. But you're right, the, the, the driver's license, it's not a driver's license. That's one of the biggest misnomers. It's a government ID card. Um, you know, you, you know, you know, I, when I check into a hotel and they say, uh, Hey, can I see your driver's license? I, I want to go. Why am I going to be driving the hotel van or something? Why, why do you need my drive? What you mean is you want my government ID. You want my digital ID, right? So all those places, all those things are there. Uh, and it's not just the driver's license. It's like we said, it's, it's the, uh, vaccine passports, right? Which many yes. parts of the country have. Uh, India has the Adhar system where, you know, you got to use that to pay your taxes and you got to use that to get your, you know, food stamps and things like that. So right now it may seem like a kind of a confusing network of a number of different digital identifiers, but it won't be hard for them to click a few buttons and and bring them all together under one central ID. Absolutely. Under the radar, um, these technologies have been implemented, agreed to by by governments, and this digital ID is not 10 years out. It's one or two years out. We are close. We are real close. Yeah. The Fed now, of course, is the backbone or the the conduit that's going to allow these digital IDs to be able to be used in the monetary sense uh, for instant access to funds that's supposed to be rolled out in july but i think you know there are people out there like me that are sounding the alarm but i think they they are a little bit uh too panicked and they they think oh when july comes we're all gonna you know all of our cash is going to be worthless and the economy is going to crash and all that well look the economy could crash at any moment it's been on life support for decades um but but i think it's going to be a little bit more a little bit slower to to roll all this out. You know, the timetable that I've described in Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 2 in that chapter on uh, the Luciferian timetable is more like a second half of this decade is what what they're targeting. So just because Fed now rolls out in July, it's not going to mean the next day you wake up and they require everybody to get a digital ID and require everybody. It'll be it'll be a slow kill. They're going to use the uh the the carrot first, like they did with the vaccines, and then uh, get the low-hanging fruit. And then uh, as as it goes forward, they'll start to use the stick. But even then, I think it'll be a long time before government agents show up in SWAT gear with AR-15s at your front door saying, here, sign up for the digital ID. I, I just think, you know, for those who see it coming and are prepared, you're going to be able to, 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 to fly under the radar for for a little while longer. Do you, do you yeah. agree with that, or what's your sense? Yeah, I I don't uh, I don't think that we're going to see um, the the armed agent showing up saying, "Hey, you need to sign up for this now." Uh, it's too expensive. It doesn't scale well. Like I was saying earlier, um, if you implement this control grid, um, what if I can't buy gas? You, you you're going to get my attention pretty quickly. And by the way. You know, we're talking about, look at what's happening in China. I saw in the last, I don't know, six months to a year, a video of a guy in China, uh, had an electric car, was pulling up to a charging station. He gets out of the car, he goes over, he, he has his phone, uh, the, the charging station scans his ID and says, nope, no electricity for you. I don't, I don't know what he did, but he was not able to charge his car. Um, so, so what if um, you make it so that you know you can't operate normally? Maybe you can't drive. And by the way, it doesn't take an electric car to do this. Um, the gas pumps could be pretty easily modified to require um, your your digital ID to be scanned. And again, that same kind of process would go into place. Doesn't matter if it's electricity or gasoline or diesel or whatever. You can stop somebody from making that purchase. They can stop you from buying food in the grocery store. They can say, if you don't comply with whatever, your electricity is going to be turned off in the state. Um, so I, I don't think there's a need for the armed agents. It's it's just it's too difficult to pull off. It's too expensive. And yeah, they know that's, that's why they spent so much time implementing this infrastructure. Yeah, so they're going to squeeze us, right? They're going to find ways to make us say uncle. Um, and that's why 
people need to be thinking about it right now. Uh, and again, I, I, it's easier said than done. I get it. I mean, I'm as dependent on technology as the next guy because we're using uh, technology to get the gospel out and to, to sound the alarm in ways like this. I'm fully aware that everything we're doing is being tracked. We see all kinds of monkey business behind the scenes with our email being blocked. And you know, right now we're having an issue where I can't send from not by works email accounts to any Gmail account. <laughs> and I've talked to our provider and I've talked to people and they're they just can't can't figure it out no matter what I do, no matter how much I clear the cash or do the allowances, it's just it kicks back. So we're sending uh, people that have Gmail accounts, we're having to send from a different email account. So I, I get all that, but you know we're doing it kind of eyes wide open because Shane, I know you know this because you were around when we started Not by Works way back in 1999 um, uh, when we were working together. Uh, our passion is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. We want people to know that Jesus Christ died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin that he's the only one that can forgive sin and give the free gift of eternal life. And all you have to do to receive it is trust in him and him alone for that for that free gift. And so uh, that's what we're all about here. But I also recognize that when they start to clamp down, when they start to squeeze us, like I said a moment ago, uh, you know, you've got to have some alternatives. And I, I'm a, sad to say, but I think most people, when that time comes, will just jump on the bus. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do share some very similar concerns. Um, one of them is when the system comes into place, and, and like I said, I think we're we're just a couple of years away. This is very very fast. Um, what happens when true Christianity, the full teaching of the scriptures, especially in areas that aren't politically correct to talk about right now, uh, when that becomes illegal? Um, I mean. I see not by works get shadow banned constantly. Mm -hmm. It's it's and this isn't just some sort of glitch in the algorithm. It's happening enough that I know for a fact that not by works, for example, and there's other ministries, not by works is getting shadow banned. Well, what happens when it's no longer just that nuisance of shadow banning, but there's again a control system in place that everybody's a part of at some level. Um, there's very, very, very few people who won't be a part of it. Then how do we continue ministry? Um, you won't have access to the internet. You um, will, will have to come up with other ways to continue to minister and to live at some, you know, some level. Uh, this yeah. is not going to be easy. Yeah. So <clears throat> what can we watch for in the in the near term? I mean, we talked a little bit about AI and chat GPT. I tell you what, it is becoming pervasive. I mean, everywhere you look, they're they're having uh, applications uh, of this software that you can use for everything. I mean, software coding, art, the art world, the music world, the research world, the academic world, the marketing world. I mean, it's like it's like taking over. Every time I open up my email, I have two or three more unsolicited emails saying, hey, here's AI can help you get more you know hits on your website or AI can write content for your website, that kind of stuff. So what uh, what should we watch for and how can we insulate ourselves from the bad applications of of this ai technology while at the same time acknowledging as you said that technology in and of itself is is not good or bad it can be used for good yeah i would say as far as the good side let me let me reverse the uh, order here <laughs> as far as the good uses of ai if you come across a a, a use case for ai that is beneficial, then by all means, uh, use it. It's your use of it or not use of it doesn't change anything really. Um, you know, AI is going to happen. I know there are people talking about we need to put a pause, we need to stop, we need to reevaluate. That is not going to happen. Um, you know, and, and also I don't think some of the people calling for these pauses are being genuine. I don't think Elon Musk was recently asking for, I think it was a six-month moratorium. Well, it's not because he's worried about AI. I know he's expressed concerns about it in the past. Um, it's so he has time to build up his own system. He purchased a incredible number. I don't remember the the the, the number of GPUs. GPU is a type of, of a processor um, that is used in these AI systems. He purchased an unbelievable quantity of these highest-end GPUs that are used in these AI systems. 
clearly he, he's wanting that six months to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, bad, right. Oh, uh, he is. He is no friend of ours. I've been sounding the alarm on him forever. I wish people would would wake up. Anybody that wants to turn me into a butterfly, which is what he has said, I, I'm not too excited about. I, I would honestly, I would sooner form a committee of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, and Kamala Harris invite them to my house and hand over all of my banking information to them to be my new safeguard than I would trust Elon Musk. That's how I feel about Elon. And by the way, um, and, and, and my, my goal here isn't to, uh, to bash Elon, um, but um, I will say that, you know, we were talking about China and the control system they have. He has um, said that he, he would like to take Twitter and turn it into a system by which you could pay your bills and you know much more than social media, but a way in which you you operate your life, which is what they have in in China. Um, so, you know, you look at the 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 lady that he just appointed as CEO of Twitter, um, a radical a radical departure from the things he's been saying about free speech. Um, this, um, yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's like kind of like when Trump said he was going to drain the swamp and he put 67 members of the Council on Foreign Relations either in directly in his cabinet or in you know federally appointed positions. It's like, come on, people need to stop listening to words and pay attention to the facts. Yeah, this is this should be people should be sounding the alarm when he appointed her. Uh, yeah, not not good. And I, and I haven't really seen a lot of outcries. Just oh, OK. <laughs> You know, I, I've seen online a bunch of people being apologists for him saying, well, with everything he does, he has to have somebody in there handling day to day operations. Yeah. So it's OK. <laughs> She's a Satan worshiper. Yeah. Great. Functionally, <laughs> he needs to have that. Yeah. Um, it's who he chose. Yeah. Right. So. Um, so, yeah, look, look for um, look for some rough stuff coming through things like Twitter. Um, it's, it's whatever it is now is not what it's going to be in a couple of years. It's going to be a very, very different system. So is, cause I know how some of our listeners think, and I know how I think, you know, so this is what pops into my mind is now the time Shane to head for the Hills. Uh, or do we keep sort of having some semblance of pretend and normal where we keep, you know, sharing the gospel, writing books, doing podcasts, proclaiming, you know, the truth about God's word, and yet recognize that it's descending upon us. I guess, no, you don't have a crystal ball. Sorry for the metaphor there. But, uh, you know, how close are we? And at what point do we say, we've got to break free from this system? That, that's been a, a question I've wrestled with for years. What is that triggering event that makes you take drastic action. Mm -hmm. um, let me say this, humans are terrible at it. <laughs> um, you know, I can remember growing up, uh, I would read a lot of history books and I'd look at especially World War II. And of course, looking at it in hindsight, you see the activities of the Nazis against the Jews. It didn't happen overnight. It was a series of steps. And going back to a, a phrase you used earlier about being you know, boiled alive, um, that's exactly what happens. We're fighting not this one overwhelming, rapid intrusion of this technology, but it's been an incremental encroachment, and we've gotten used to the higher temperature. Um, so, so you know, so again, you know, I think uh, a some of this is so much further along than most people realize. Uh, the digital ID is not ten years out; it is one or two. There's something coming, some event, of, you know, false flag, by which that digital ID is going to be the answer, and it's going to get us to go along with it. And once we we let it in, um, uh, there's they're going to add more and more benefits for us in using this, and then at some point we're going to be controlled by it. This is uh, this is happening now, yeah. um, and and other again, it's 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 a confluence of of various things, the the digital currency is going to be huge. Um, AI already is huge, and and it gives 
the elites, AI, I'm going to go back to that for a moment, gives the elites a workforce, um, however you want to define it. It could be more like a soldier, it could be more like a, a technician, it could be whatever, that doesn't need to sleep. It operates 24 by 7. It's not tripped up by emotions or or a conscience or, or anything like that. And so they're, again, going to have this ability to control us in a way we've never seen before. As far as, you know, when you take that step of walking away from your life, and let's be clear what, what going off grid means, literally walking away from your life. You would have to walk away, leave your phones, your computers, everything, and go out and live a lifestyle that's closer to 300 years ago. Absolutely. Today. I don't know what that triggering event is. I, um, you know, again, like I would, I would, I would read the stories about World War II and would keep saying, why aren't you leaving? Why didn't you immigrate at this point? Um, and it's because you're fighting incrementalism and we are terrible at dealing with that. Um, I think probably the better approach is to use however much time we have. And I, I don't know how long it is, but it's not long. Um, and leverage the technology to share the gospel, to disciple people, um, and to and to understand that, again, I don't think this is going to be an overnight thing where they clamp down. So what are some ways in which you can still continue to minister when they start to clamp down and the internet is not free? Um, you know, as an absolutely completely not free. Um, and so it's really going to be a, a move to some older approaches we might be moving back to using a lot of paper and pen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> you're so right. It's, it's, you know, I find myself and I know others can, you know, re relate to this, you know, you're out, you're trying to live life and, you know, it's hard for me to have leisure time because every time I'm out doing anything with the family or with my granddaughter or my wife, I think I should be out, you know, building my bunker, <laughs> you know, I should be out planning my escape route. I should be out, you know, preparing this or that. And so I think there's a there's a tension there between not becoming paralyzed by fear and yet being awake. You know, Proverbs 21, uh, 31 says, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So there's this both and concept there, right? We, we do need to prepare. We need to be aware. And I could not agree more that the day is coming sooner, I think, than most people think. When we will have to make some hard decisions, and knowing that will be half the battle. If you're if you're not thinking about that and 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 at least contemplating it, you're gonna be you're gonna spend the first few weeks just resonating like a clanging cymbal trying to figure out what just happened. But if yeah. you've already contemplated it, you know, you may not have to drop out of society right now, but you're gonna be able to more easily you know, than not uh, do that when the time comes. But you're right. I, I think we're living in the early 1930s right now. You know, we're we're seeing the stage being set. Uh, and in the in World War II, the people that were able to escape with their lives and did not get on the trains were the ones that saw it coming. The ones that were ill-prepared for it, they just dutifully uh, went along. So there's a, a tipping point, uh, a Rubicon, again, going back to this, what Caesar allegedly said, uh, you know, where it'll be too late. But if, and the big million dollar question is, you know, what is that point? I agree with you that it's going to be a false flag of some kind, probably multiple ones, some yeah. unfreezing event, um, like another 9-11, like another pandemic, only exponentially worse, that they then use to roll out the interconnected pieces of their end game. Uh, and it is the beast system. Let's be honest. It's not that the beast system is in place today because the Antichrist is not here. He will not arise until after the rapture. I feel very strongly about that. Biblically, I know there are people that disagree uh, with that uh, you know, uh, point, and I respect them, but I, I think the Bible is very clear on that. We can save that discussion for another day and have. We've talked about it extensively in various environments. But even though the system itself isn't here, the uh, framework is being laid out in high definition, crystal clear color. I mean, right now for us and anybody that's paying attention should see it. I think I think the beast system is eminent. 
uh, when when I look at biblical prophecy, um, it seems to me that that control grid, that control system has to already be in place <clears throat> the moment the Antichrist comes into power because he's only got seven years. Mm -hmm. That's not yep. a lot of time. So, so I think the system is mostly ready. Uh, I think we're seeing over the course of the next, you know, again, year or two, those final pieces coming to place where the beast system is ready. Won't necessarily be turned on and active and something that we're interacting with on an everyday basis, but it will be at a place again very, very soon to where it's just a matter of weeks for them to get it up and running. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and so while I'm, I'm, I, by the way, and I think on, on the whole issue of preparedness, um, I don't really believe in it in the context of being able to survive, you know, the, the beast system. I, I don't, I don't really know that that's possible. It just makes sense. It's wisdom because there's so many other things that can happen. And we, um, we, we need to, we need to just be wise. We need to have, uh, food and, and water and some things like that available. Yeah, um, Proverbs 22.3, the wise person sees trouble coming and prepares for it. Um, I think there will be people during the tribulation, we, we know this because at the end of the tribulation, there's a there's a survival, a group that survives of believers that yes. do are able to hide out and, you know, flee and not get their heads chopped off and, you know, for not taking the mark of the beast. But uh, for our purposes today, you're right. I mean, it's a biblical principle. Never mind the fact that we seem to be living in the twilight of civilization uh, and that the stage is being set for God's end times program to kick off at any moment. Never mind that. I mean, you know, you got hurricanes, you got tornadoes, you've got natural disasters, you've got economic crashes. You know, you know, look at world history. America's what 247 years old. Um, that's, you know, we're pretty much on our deathbed, uh, you know, in terms of the history of civilizations. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we could collapse at any moment. So, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a wise, wise plan. So, so I think people need to, to you know, to have that proper uh, vantage point from which they're viewing uh, the goals of them being prepared. Um, because, like I said, I, I, I don't think that what is coming ultimately is escapable, um, except for again, these the situations where somebody is living a lifestyle that's more like, you know, two, three hundred years ago, truly living out in in in, in the wilderness, right? Yeah. Living out in the woods. Um, but in the meantime, between now and however long we have left, I think that focus on ministry, leveraging technologies in a, in a beneficial way to advance the gospel and, and getting right with the Lord, I will... It is if you take half a look at what's been happening in the world in the last number of years, I think there's more happened from a prophetic standpoint in the past five to seven years than has happened in the previous years up to the reforming of Israel. Mm -hmm. that, that's 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 the biggest one. That one wins, right? <laughs> but um, but so many things for years. You had to say, okay, I know the Bible says, for example, in Ezekiel 38, there's going to be this northern invasion. But how in the world does, does this coalition of, of Russia, you know, assuming it's still called Russia at that point, um, and these other countries come together and get to Israel? With radar and things like that, it didn't make sense. Well, we've had developments uh, since Obama was in office that made it possible for Russia and Iran to be, I think it's roughly 30 miles outside of the northern border of Israel. Mm. Uh, we've had so many things happen to, to, to make Bible prophecy line up in the past, again, handful of years, five, six, seven, eight years, something like that, um, that I think dwarfs everything between then and the reforming of Israel. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. So, yeah, that's that's the answer. Is we've got to stay focused on uh, our task at hand, what the Lord has called us to do as believers. We have a purpose to serve here, and you know it is uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. I talked about that in the article I just wrote today. You know, we um, we can easily become consumed by um, all the, the negative news that that's happening around us, but keep your eye on the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God, and um, <clears throat> that means if you're not a believer. 
Today's the day of salvation. Place your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. In the first place, you're not promised tomorrow. <laughs> Life is but a vapor. But secondly, yes. the Lord could come back tomorrow, and then things are going to really, or today, and, and then things yeah. are going to really, uh, you know, become unleashed. Well, Shane, uh, boy, thank you so much for your time. I know we we took a lot of your time today, but uh, really helpful information, balanced uh, biblical information as always, and uh, uh, appreciate you very much, my friend. I appreciate you. God bless. And uh, we'll have Shane back on again here soon. Um, anytime I see uh, things happening in the world of technology that make my head explode and make me go, oh, no, the sky is falling. Then I think of Shane and I give him a call and we schedule a, a podcast. But uh, in the meantime, listen, we want you to know here at the Not By Works family that we we love our listeners. We love all of you. We appreciate what you're doing uh, in terms of encouraging emails and helping get the word out. It really, truly is about the gospel. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to get the gospel out. Uh, so if you can help us do that, we would sure appreciate uh, your support in that regard. Uh, send links to this podcast and many others. Just go to notbyworks.org. You can find all kinds of free resources uh, there. And uh, if the Lord lays it on your heart to support this ministry, we certainly appreciate and need your uh, support in that regard as well. I uh, also want to remind you that we do have an online store where you can purchase books and streaming videos and other resources uh, that are a little more in-depth, uh, maybe, than some of the, all of the podcasts and videos that we do day after day. Uh, so check out that as well. Just go to notbyworks.org slash store. Well, thanks for joining us for today. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. We'll see you either online or in the church there in Plum Creek Chapel on Sunday. And then uh, looking forward to another great week uh, next week. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you soon.